Book of First Peter, chapter three. Book of First Peter, chapter three. We've been studying uh, some of the spiritual disciplines. We're going to move on to to one tonight that is is often looked at as not my job. <laughs> it really is, and and there's quite a few of them that that we can find ourselves thinking that every now and then. But but this one is often looked at as as not my job. Uh, more often than not, and it's, it ought not be that way because the, the Bible tells us that it's, it's everybody's job. It's every Christian's job, uh, and, and we're talking about mission work, evangelism. Uh, a lot of the reference materials that I studied throughout the week had, had separated them to, to one being evangelistic opportunities and the other being mission opportunities. And the reality of it is I don't see a real big difference between the two. Uh, we're told that, that we're to be a light of the world, we're to be a witness in the world, and in order to do that, we have to be evangelistic in attitude. And whenever we do that, then we become missionaries. There's a, a right when you walk in the door to Bible Baptist Church on the right. There's a a rack that's got these little bitty tracks in it. It's a whole bunch of them, and on the rack it says "Ministering with Tracks makes you a missionary." Handing out tracks makes you a missionary. It never made a lot of sense to me until I got to thinking about it. And spreading God's word makes us a missionary. That we may not be, uh, we we may not be ordained to a mission field, but our mission field is the people that we come in contact with every day. But we we may not be a part of an association that uh, that that commissions us to be missionaries, but we're commissioned by God to spread His word. First Peter chapter three verse fifteen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He said, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather at your house tonight. God, we thank you for the, the day that you've given us, the blessings of life you've bestowed upon us. God, help us so we could be thankful and we could be mindful of where our blessings come from. God, help us that that we could always be ready to give an answer. God, that we wouldn't push this off of some other direction. God, that we could understand that the commission is given to all to all Christians, God, and that, that the reality of it is that we shouldn't need pushing, that we, we should be willing because you asked us, God, and, and because you saved us. God, help us so we could have a greater burden for this lost and dying world, for this world in need of repentance. God, help us so we could be greater used of you. God, that we could take advantage of the opportunities you set before us. God, most of all, that in some small way we could lead some lost soul to you. Not for our honor and glory, God, but so that they could be saved. So that they could receive the hope that we have within us. God, be with each one that's here. Forgive us for we fail you. Thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Tonight I want to look at it. A couple of questions of why we're not as evangelistic as we should be. A couple of questions that... That the answers to it fits our life. And in studying this, it doggone if, if it wasn't all the answers that I've given too many times myself. And the, and the, the, the thing is, is, is why are we not? Peter's writing here and he said, but, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Set God aside in our hearts. Whenever we're making a list of our priorities, God should be at the top. He should be set aside. Whenever we're making plans for our day, they should include Him. Amen. Sanctify him. Set the Lord God apart in our hearts and be ready always to give an answer 
to every man that asketh. Here Peter says to be ready always. And the, the, the question is, is why are we not? Why am I not always ready to give an answer? Why am I always not ready, bless you, to tell somebody else about Jesus? Why am I always not willing to spread the hope that, that Jesus gave me whenever he saved my soul? And the reality of it is, is a lot of times it, it goes back and I, I wrote down the, the five that, that I found to be the most prevalent. The reasons why we're not as evangelistic as we should be. Number one is fear. What's the world going to think? What's the people going to think? How are they going to react? What's going to happen? I work in a public job. What's going to happen whenever I try to tell somebody about Jesus? These people are friends with me. What's going to happen whenever I try to tell them about Jesus? We work together. How is our relationship going to change whenever I tell them that I'm a Baptist? That I'm a Christian? Women, how many times do you have to tell your husband something before it sinks in? Six, seven? My wife would go into single digits. Probably go into double digits before I really caught it if I was paying attention. A lot of times it, it is on up yonder. Uh, men are, are like that. You, you have to tell us, especially if it's something that we don't quite value as much as other things. You have to tell us several times over and over again. The Bible tells us to fear not 114 times. My wife's never had to tell me to do something that many times. But God tells us not to fear 114 times between Genesis and Revelation. And yet we're still scared of what the world's going to think of us. We are. I find myself guilty of it. How is my relationship with these people going to change if, if I tell them I'm a Christian? If I, if I let them know that I'm concerned about their soul? How is my relationship with my family going to change? Man, these people invited me over to eat. Are they ever going to invite me again if I try to throw Jesus down their throat? That's the reaction that we get from a lot of people in the world. Don't shove Jesus down their throat. Introduce him. Yeah. Introduce him. Whenever you go to meet somebody in a crowd and through FFA, I was uh, I got to where I did it on accident, didn't even realize it. At a state FFA convention every year except for this past year when it became virtual, they give out pamphlets. Little bitty pamphlets had all kind of information in it. And on the back of it, it had a list of every chapter across the state. It had a little line beside it. And your goal was, and it was never succeeded because there was always a chapter that wasn't there. Your goal was to meet somebody from every single chapter and get them to sign your book. We tried every year. And so we walk up to people, just, just random people. There'd be usually somewhere in the vicinity of 1,000 kids there, 2,000 by the time you counted adults and guests and brothers and sisters. And, and we walk up to them, hi, Brad Cooper from Pine. And all my life through FFA, that's who I was. I wasn't Brad. I wasn't Brad Cooper. I was Brad Cooper from Pine. That's it. The only way I was remembered. But I introduced myself to everybody. And, and I wasn't ashamed of being from Pine. And so whenever I told him, hi, Brad Cooper, I'm from Pine. How many times do we introduce ourselves, hi, Brad Cooper, I'm a Christian? I don't do it quite that often. I don't. We're, we're, we're a little bit more hesitant to allow people into our, to see into our belief system. Not because we don't have something special. Not because we don't have something that should make a difference, but because we don't want the dynamic between us and them to change. Even if it's a stranger, we're, we're a little bit standoffish. 
Most of the times we are. But the Bible says to fear not. 114 times. Peter says to be ready always to give an answer. Whenever it comes to spreading God's Word, there's not a bad time to do it. Don't get me wrong, there are inappropriate times. There are times when, when hey, give it a minute and the tense situation will fizzle out. Then you can introduce Jesus to somebody. There are times when it's better to keep your mouth shut, but whenever it comes to spreading the Word of God, God provides us opportunities if we'll take them. He will. He promises us that. Because He told us to go into all the world. In Matthew and in Acts, He told us to go into the corners of the earth, teaching, preaching, spreading the gospel, baptizing, telling people about the the hope that's within us, telling people about the Jesus that we have received. The number one excuse that we use is fear. The second goes down to to either ignorance or just being plain dumb. A lot of times it's a little bit of both. The next reason that a lot of people say that I'm not going to be a missionary or I don't evangelize because I, I, I just don't know what I need to know. I don't have the training. If you've ever been in the education industry or if you've ever been a parent, then you know that, that whenever you get a lot of kids thrown at you or even one kid of your own thrown at you, that didn't come with a training manual. It did. We don't, we don't read as much as we should. But, uh, but it, it didn't come with a manual of, of how to be a parent. Now, they do sell a book on Amazon. It's uh, Parenting for Dummies. Uh, but that's not exactly the manual we're talking about. It, it, it don't come with a manual. There are things that you're going to be faced with that you've never seen before in your life. There are things that I'm faced with at school that I, I, I need to be writing this down because I'm going to make a million dollars off of this story one day because it's, it's way out there. And, and they don't train us for that in college. In the same way, we're not required to know everything about God before we go out and evangelize. It's not a requirement. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of John in chapter 14. Book of John in chapter 14. Whenever we're saved, we are enveloped, we are introduced, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is something that, that no amount of college or training or seminary or Bible reading can do. The, the Holy Spirit gives us more than, than all of that combined. It gives us, and I'm going to use the word very carefully, it, it gives us an edge. It's like being a, a batter standing up to the plate and you know what that pitcher is thinking. It gives you an edge. John chapter 14, verse 26 tells us about that edge. Jesus talking, he says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, and he shall teach you all things. He shall teach you all things. We talked about David on Sunday. Whenever David went to Goliath, he had he had some rocks and a piece of leather or string or cloth or whatever the sling was made out of, and that was about it. He probably had on sandals and, and some kind of uh, get-up that he was dressed in, and that was about it. He didn't have a shotgun. He didn't have a spear or sword, but he was prepared. He didn't look like it, but he was prepared. As God provided for Daniel, excuse me, David, God will provide for us. He said the the Holy Spirit will teach the Holy Ghost will teach us all things. 
And here's that next one that, that we use as an excuse. Well, I, I can't remember scripture. Will you remember all the words to that song? I'm going to get off on that. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. If we read and study our Bible, we're not going to remember on the spot everything that we read yesterday. I'm not. I don't have the capacity. But whenever I need to, you ever had that moment when it's just boom, light bulb? And you have a scripture that you needed really, really bad and, and it just comes to mind? It's not an accident. That's not a chemical reaction in your brain that all of a sudden coincidentally brings up the right scripture. It don't work that way. That's the Holy Spirit. Amen. He'll provide it for us whenever we need it. He'll, bring, he'll call it to our remembrance whenever we need it. Amen. He'll call it to our remembrance whenever other people need it. And we got to get it out of our mouth. we got to have confidence enough in the Holy Spirit to lead us. As much as we believe with our whole heart that God saved our soul, we have to believe that He can save anybody else's. No matter what color they are. No matter what they look like. No matter how many tattoos they got on. No matter how many or how little clothes they have on. If we don't believe that God will save them, then we're a failure as an evangelist. We're a failure as a missionary. And the reality of it is, is, is we're a failure as a Christian. If we don't believe that God will save anybody and everybody. Because if we don't believe that, then we don't believe the Bible. Because it says that over and over and over again. Whosoever, if any man, over and over again. The next thing, we flip over to John in chapter 16. The next excuse we often give is a lack of contact. My wife was quarantined with the corona and I had to stay home, semi-stay home with her and was taking care of her. And, and she said, and Brother Robbie said the same thing, said the, the hardest part of it was staying away from everybody else, communicating via telephone. We use a lack of contact as a, a crutch to get us out of missionary work. Well, I can't be a missionary to the people in India because I can't go to India many people do we meet every day that's lost that don't know Jesus that, that don't have a church home that don't go to church that is saved and drifted away from God how many people is on our friends list on Facebook that we can contact in Facebook Messenger or Instagram direct message or telephone call there's no excuse that we can use that will validate a lack of contact today because we have never ever been in more contact than we are right now at this moment Nobody. I could pick up the phone from near about anywhere in this state and call near about anybody else across the world, no matter of seconds. Being a lack of, well, let's go ahead and read it. John in chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak. And he will show you. Things to come. It's coming. Turn with me if you would to Luke in chapter 14. In Luke in chapter 14, we read a story of a man who prepared a feast. The man prepared a feast and he bade many to come. But whenever the many wouldn't come, whenever the, the people in his immediate friend group, if you will, the people that I see on a daily basis, the people that I work with, the people that I'm always coming in contact with, whenever they won't come, what happens? Do I stop? Do I, do I give up? Say, well, I, 
I tried, you know what, my closest friends, the people I'm comfortable talking to, they just, they just wouldn't hear what I had to say. So I'm going to sit on my fist, lean back on my thumb, and just call it a day. I'm, I'm done. The Bible don't say for us to be, uh, to be missionaries until we get tired of it. The Bible don't say that we should spread God's word until it's no longer effective. The Bible don't say that we should spread God's word only if we're seeing results. The man in Luke in chapter 14 says in verse 16 that he bade many. He sent his servant. He said to tell him, for all things are now ready to come on. All things are ready. For us to go out and spread the word of God, all things are ready. For the word of God to fall on hearts that God can use it to prick, to make a difference in their life, all things are now ready. But the people he went to made excuses. He said, I bought a piece of ground. I bought some oxen. I married a wife. These people said, I can't come. If a man would have stopped right there, all the food would have ruined. If we stop with the people that we invited, and our, our Christian life as far as mission work is, is concluded, it's done, and it's completely and totally fruitless. If we stop with, with the first invitations that we send out, if we only invite somebody to church one time, that, that don't make us a missionary. He told the, the servant came, verse 21, showed the Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said, Go quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. The man said, Here I go. And he went. He went outside of his immediate friend group. He went to places that was a little bit more inconvenient. He talked to people that was a little bit more outside of his comfort zone. And it said that there was still room. God's table don't fill up. Our mission opportunities don't end. Papa said that whenever he got cancer and he was over in Houston, he didn't see it as an inconvenience to have to go all the way over there and, and go through the, the treatments and whatnot. He said he saw it as an opportunity to talk to every nurse that came in that room about Jesus. He had several testimonies about his trips, even whenever he was sick and in poor health, by people that were affected by the Word of God. He said, I've done all of this, and yet there is room. So he said, go further. Don't slow down. Don't stop. Don't give up. Even whenever we see results, even whenever the man saw results, he said, there is still room. He said, go further. Verse 23, he said, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come that my house may be filled. There's nobody on this planet that don't deserve the salvation that God has offered freely. And there's nobody on this planet that don't deserve for us to be the ones to tell them about it. Nobody. I've been scared to talk to people about Jesus before. I'm scared out of my mind. Because they looked weird. Because they had the, the stars or, or what tattooed on them. Because they said they were Hinduistic. Because they were giving out pamphlets that had 
all kind of funky little emblems and shapes and stuff on them. I don't mean they're not, God's not able to save them. That means that they're going to have a greater testimony when he does. But we don't see it as that. We see it as a hindrance. Turn with me if you would to Mark in chapter 5. The book of Mark in chapter 5. The last thing that, that really, well, to be honest with you, it really bothers me. And I've been on both sides of it. One excuse that we often give is is that of carelessness. It's a lack of concern and hence a lack of faith. A lack of concern being we don't see the hell that the people that we're friends with, that we're families with, that we meet on the street, that we're strangers with. We don't see the hell clearly that they're going in, that they're going toward. That they're going to end up in without Jesus Christ. And because of that, we become careless with the, the, the strength and the power that we've been given. We've been given the power of Jesus Christ. We've been given the knowledge and the intelligence of the Holy Spirit. And we've been given opportunities by God to be a witness. Mark in chapter 5, verse 9. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Here Jesus healed a man that was possessed of devils. Completely and totally. If God can save him, why can't he save a, a regular person in Pine, Louisiana? If God can save him, why can't he save a regular person in, in the United States of America? Let's go a little further. If, if God can save him, read Mark in chapter 5 when you get a chance. If you don't know the story, how big of a turnaround this man took. He was dwelling in verse 3 among the tombs. No man could bind him, not with chains. He had been bound with fetters and broke them in pieces. Night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself. This man lived a crazy life. I'd be terrified to walk up to this man. All cut up and eat up. No telling how ugly he was from a natural standpoint. But his life turned around because Jesus showed up. Jesus is not here physically walking on this earth today. But if we present him to someone, then Jesus shows up. If we tell someone about Christ, he shows up. No man can be saved unless the Holy Spirit lead them. It's not going to happen. They can try and try and pray and pray, but if they're not convicted of their sin by the Holy Spirit, they're not going to be saved. They're still safe. But once convicted by the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will tug on them to trouble, sleep, bother them all times of the day. My brother said when he got saved, he was at work. He, he said he was just sick and tired of, of being on the fence. Confused. He had a testimony. He had a, a profession of faith. He said he, he said he just wasn't sure. Just didn't seem right. He thought that he was saved. He was told that he was saved. But he said he knew that he wasn't. 
The Holy Spirit tugged on him. The Holy Spirit worked on him. And though none of us, nobody in the whole family knew, nobody had a clue. For years he was like that. And then one night I was looking at my watch in church and he texted me. He said, hey, Joe, I just got saved. The Holy Spirit worked on him. We'll introduce Christ to someone, the Holy Spirit will work on them too. There's no amount of power that the, that the Holy Spirit lacks. Our evangelistic mission only stops when our faith does. It only fails when our faith does. It only slows down when our faith does. How far is mine going to go? How many people am I going to reach for God? Or how many times am I going to use an excuse that I'm, I'm afraid when the Bible says 114 times to fear not? How many times am I going to say, well, I, I don't have the training when I know good and well in my heart that the Holy Spirit reveals all things and brings to remembrance the things that I need. God said that He'll provide. How many times am I going to say, well, I don't ever come in contact with anybody. That's because I didn't try hard enough. That's all that is. And if we find ourselves not being evangelistic at all, it's a lack of concern. And so we don't care that people are dying and going to hell. And that's a cold place to be. I don't wish that on anybody. My hope and prayer is that each and every one of us can, can find the faith, can find the power that God has promised us. That we could be missionaries. That we could be evangelists. That we wouldn't say, that ain't my job because doggone it it is for all of us. You can have a bad day. Well, spreading Jesus will make you smile. You can have a hard week. Telling people about Christ will make you smile. You can't help it. If you're truly happy, the Bible says it's Joy, or the song says that it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Bible says to rejoice evermore. And if we don't have a reason to do that, then, then we might as well slow down at the mission work. We have to go back and reexamine our faith. We have something to be joyful about. And as difficult and crazy as 2020 has been, we still have something to be joyful about. And the Bible tells us to spread that joy, to spread that hope, to spread that life that is within us, to give it to other people. To show other people Christ through us. My hope and prayer today is that each and every one of us can do that. And we can do it in a greater way. And that our mission, that our evangelistic opportunities wouldn't stop. Wouldn't slow down, wouldn't cease. But that we could grow in faith and in power with God. As individuals, as church, as a community, and as a country. All I have a verse of a song. If you have anything on your heart.